Hello, everybody, and welcome back for a very special episode today. Before we got into Call of Cthulhu last year for the Halloween one-shot, I had a little conversation with Mary Sue to kind of ease into the system a little bit. Well, this year, being the anniversary of Alien and the Alien RPG coming about, there was a member on our Discord, who you'll meet very shortly, that was like, hey guys, this is a thing. A couple other people, like Oz, for example, is a big fan of the franchise. So we decided that this is what we were going to run for Halloween this year. This episode right now is just the pregame conversation that myself and Prophet have to talk about a bit of the mechanics, talk about a bit about the setting, the franchise, the history. Just It's everything about it. Just like, yo, have you not heard of Aliens? Clearly you need to. It was a great little conversation. I am excited to see what everybody thinks of the actual game when it fully releases later this year. The plan is, I'm going to put this pregame out now. I'm going to put the first episode of us playing through the included, well, the Chariot of the Gods out tonight as it turns into Halloween. About 12 hours or so. If you are on the Discord, if you poke me about it, I will send you the Dropbox link whenever you want today. If you listen to and like the first part of the playthrough of the module we did, I'll have a link. You can swing by the front page of our Patreon. You don't need to be a patron to download it. All of the episodes, the pregame and the postgame are be there. All in all, I want to say it was about eight, eight and a half hours of total content that we did for Halloween. Because who doesn't love Halloween? And this is our little digital candy that we can give out. With all that said, I'm going to get out of the way and let pregame part play out so that you guys can have an idea about it. And and I hope that you guys enjoy. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is just a quick little sit-down and discussion of some of the mechanics of the Alien RPG. It is our uh, it's our Halloween special this year because Alien is cool. And as we get into it, this is a special year for Alien, and them coming out with an RPG system is really neat. Um, we found out about it in the in the Discord from another user who you will meet very shortly, and we were like, "Yo, let's do this!" So that's what we did. The uh, I really should write down notes, and it's fun because now you get to see how much non-editing and non-preparedness I am. <laughs> Uh, and that voice is, uh, I guess we'll go by Profit, because that's what you use your tag in the Discord. Say hello. Yes, hello. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm a new voice for most of you. Uh, I am Profit, P-R-O-P-H-Y-T. I'm sure you've seen pictures of my cat. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've just been a fan of the community for, I think, a year now. Um, it's been a little while. Yeah, uh... And, um, you know, I've gotten involved in a couple of one-shots. Uh, a few members of the cast know me from the one-shots. And a couple other um, members of the fandom. Um, I totally don't stab people in the back when it's thematically appropriate and to save my own hide in one-shots, so don't worry about that. And uh, uh, I just I just really love role-playing games in general. So, yeah, let's get into it. You know, it's funny you should say that when we talk about a game like Alien, where the the movies are all about corporate assholes trying to stab people in the back for for no reason whatsoever, I'm sure. For, for fun and profit. 
That's P R O F I T, not P H I T. Oh. Uh, but we were talking a little bit before we turned on Craig to record things and you were talking like how much history and crazy stuff that's going on this year for Alien. Oh yeah, it has gone on this year so far. Um, even up to this month. Let's see here. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, um, June 1979 is when the first Alien film came out. Uh, starring Sigourney Weaver who starred in a role that was originally written for a man. Um, the official fandom, uh, alien day is April 26th because the planet LV-426 is the title location for the original film and the sequel Aliens. Um, Hadley's Hope was on, uh, LV-426, the colony in Aliens, and Alien is where they found the derelict, uh, spacecraft that had all of the xenomorph eggs in it, and poor, poor John Hurt got a face hugger on his face. Um, so in April, I believe, they, uh, a high school made a full-length play based on the script for Alien that Sigourney Weaver actually attended, and it got rave reviews all over online. I have not seen it, but I have seen photos and GIFs and Sigourney Weaver is just ecstatic while she's watching it, and it's really nice just to look at the the stills and the um, and the animated gifs for it. Uh, and then either that month or March, there you a bunch of uh, directors made a short film anthology of stories set in the Alien universe. Um, uh, June was the 40th anniversary of the actual film release. In April, uh, I stumbled across a Google News alert about an alien RPG um, being published by Free League or Free League out of uh, Sweden, a pub- an RPG firm out of Sweden, which we'll get into more of that because that's you know the basis of this episode as well yeah. as our Halloween episode. The, uh, I say hour like I'm in involved heavily. You were, you were the <laughs> the creative catalyst, we'll call it. How's that? Okay, yeah, that that that, that makes me feel good inside. It's and, funny how uh, the algorithm knows what you're into when it's like, yo, there's this alien RPG coming up, and you're like, that's my bag. Yeah, I think it's based off of the fact it's it's uh I I think when I looked at it, it was like so I just kind of stared at it, and there's those little three dots when you're looking at it on your phone. Uh, and it says, uh, don't, don't see any more articles about, and it was just tabletop RPGs. I'm like, okay, I'll look at it. <laughs> um, and then this month, uh, in films, they re-released the first film, Alien, as well as the documentary film Memory, which is about the production, pre-production, and just all of the, um, all of the different things about science fiction and entertainment that changed as a result of Alien coming out. Um, and I believe both of those released last Friday, the 17th, I want to say. Um, 
but uh, I have not gone to see Memory, but it looked uh, the 18th. That would be the 18th. Uh, but it looked really interesting. Um, I kind of like watching the, I, you know, I watched the old um, movie magic show that used to be on Discovery Channel um, about uh, special effects in films and all of that back in the 90s. Um, so when, you know, a big documentary comes out about a movie or a franchise that I'm interested in, I'm usually interested uh, in going to see the documentary eventually. So that's everything, I believe, that is big for Alien this year. That's um, a lot. It is a lot. Way uh, more than what I knew about. Yeah. I saw um, an advertisement when I went to go see... Might have been Joker, might have been something prior to that, where it was like, oh, hey, you know, Alien back in the cinema for anniversary stuff. And it's like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But. But I remember seeing trailers for Memory only a week before it came out in theaters. That's trailer ads on YouTube. So, um, oh, man, and H.R. Geiger created the original Beast, Star Beast, that became the Xenomorph for the Alien franchise. Um, and, uh, I think the original creature had eyes, but they were removed because they wanted the creature to look less human and eyes for some reason gave the xenomorph too much of a human quality to it. No eyes is way creepier. It is, especially you don't know where it's looking. How does it look? Um, does it see at all? Stuff like that. Not to mention if it doesn't have eyes. Being in the dark does not matter. Exactly. Especially if it, like, because it makes that kind of um, kissing noise and all that, um, maybe it it, uh, senses through echolocation of some sort, like bats or... um, We're we're focusing on the xenomorph, because it is a very creepy, creepy alien that has uh, a hard shell skin and acid for blood. (laughs) And two mouths. Oh, yeah. Double mouths. Or double the pleasure. Or double the creepiness. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, it's also basically the main character of the movies because it's, like, super consistent throughout all of them. It's true, but you know what's funny? In the first film, it only has ten minutes total of screen time. I can see that. That's and like... it's only because it doesn't show up until after the second half of the film. Um. So that's like Jaws. You don't see Jaws until way into the movie. You'll see like the aftermath of him going by. You'll see a fin out there. Mm-hmm. You don't. You, you see don't the see blood it. shooting up out of the water when it eats that kid at the beginning. Yeah, but you're like, all right, I know it's a shark, but for some reason, because I can't see it, it's yeah. worse. It makes it scarier. Because of the um, anticipation, you don't know where it could come from because you haven't seen it in action. You don't know what it can do. You don't even Mm -hmm. know how big it actually is. It's just, man, modern horror could learn a lot from old horror. Yeah, and I think that movie came out in the 70s too. Like 77, I want to say. Something something like that. Yeah, so, and uh, sci-fi, modern sci-fi is kind of in this, Limbo, where it's being influenced by a lot of different uh, genre speaking and um, thematically different uh, sci-fi films from the last century. Um, 
what it, the biggest ones being of course Star Wars, uh the Star Trek franchise, TVs and TV series and then films, um Alien and then even uh with your more down to earth quote unquote uh stuff like Blade Runner um and uh oh gosh I was going to say Total Recall, but that that movie's not down to earth. Because <laughs> they go to Mars, get your ass to Mars. Um, but it's it, because there's not, you know, because they're not in space, and it transitions basically from Earth straight to Mars. I I would consider that one being more down to earth than most other stuff, like um, 2001: Space Odyssey. Uh. That film is horrifying because you you really only encounter one human in most of the film, and he's being preyed upon by this computer that's uh, lost its morality, so to speak. To so. jump ship for a little bit here, there's there's a game <laughs> that came out recently called Lancer, and one of the things they talk about in that is. Um, is AIs or non-human persons, as they call them. Right. A, um, uh, an unshackled oh, AI is one that has basically broken those three laws of robotics. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, and it, it does not see humans as a significant being because they are so much smarter and more advanced and they just kind of uh, – what's the word I want? They just kind of cascade upon themselves with mm-hmm. their power. It's – becomes us looking onto ants. The AI now looks onto us. Because the AI's learning capabilities and process and thought is only limited by the speed of the processors that are in its um uh mechanical the mechanical parts of its brain. Yep. So it can make thoughts and leaps and evolutions on untold um, exponential uh, rates higher than any human ever could because we're limited by uh, physical t- the our, us passing through time and our ability to absorb information. While the computer, as long as it understands one thing, it can understand anything that is built upon that. Yep. So it's just a neat way to like in Lancer they actually build. Or program, I guess the the AIs or NHPs to force them to consider humans as significant beings. And it's funny that we're we're talking about AI because I'm going to bring us right back onto the ship of Alien. Uh, <laughs> the um, mother, the, yeah, mother, M U that slash T H slash E R um, is an AI, an artificially intelligent uh, core. That controls the ships while most of the crew is in um, cryosleep or hypersleep, however you want to call it. And it does not have the three laws of robotics. It is programmed, its laws are programmed by whoever con- has the programming key. And in most cases, Mother's key is held by the Wayland Utani Corporation or one of its officers to the point of. Secure this, secure this, all other priorities secondary, including human life. So which we don't we don't experience that in the original film until about two thirds of the way into the film when 
uh, Ripley goes into Mother's Core and sees what the order, what the order from, uh, Wayland Yutani is about securing the alien specimen and then don't worry about anybody else. We just need this. Yeah. Nobody else matters. Um, and if you don't know, the three laws of robotics are, um, preservation of self, preservation of humanity, as long as it, uh, preservation of humanity, human life, preservation of self, as long as it doesn't violate the first law, and then, um, I can't remember what the third law, the third law is something, but as long as it doesn't violate the first two laws. So, and, and that shackles AI into keeping humans alive. Are you Googling the three laws? Yeah. <laughs> a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Mm-hmm. A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Right. So I got it a little messed up. Thank you, sir, for no, for no, Googling it. I tend to type a little heavy, so I didn't want my typing uh, recording, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, those laws don't exist in um, – I imagine it kind of like in RoboCop, where RoboCop had his three prime directives, and there was that secret fourth one, which was like – obey the corporation basically like he can't yeah. do anything against cccp until after the first movie at the very least which is why right. he had to wait for that dude to be fired before he could shoot him um which is something that comes up in alien because the crew is in cryo sleep but mother is still connected to whatever they use to connect for transmissions so the corporation could send a message to mother to be like yo I actually need you to do this other thing. And then the crew wakes up and is like, what's going on? Right. Um, mother actually brought the ship out of hypersplit, hyper, uh, out of, or it, uh, decelerated the Nostromo to, um, to orbit planet LV 426. Um, and they were just trying to bring some H3 fuel, helium fuel to, uh, to the border for it to be processed because they were space truckers. They weren't, you know, corporate executives. They weren't scientists by any means. No, not at all. They were just truckers doing a long haul. Which is actually very similar to the, um, to the event that comes in the cinematic starter kit, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing in alien, well, I guess two, but one's more minor. Um, Androids are a thing. Oh yes, and androids have a very checkered history in the Alien franchise, to say the to, least. To say the least, they also don't always obey the three laws of robotics. Um, and even when they're programmed to follow a a watered down version of the laws of robotics, they still have, like you said, that that mysterious, that uh, unknown fourth law that. All other, you know, follow the orders of the company, and all other orders are secondary. Yep. You get that secret code where it's like, sorry, got to kill the entire crew now. My bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't help it, bro. Um, In the first Alien film, it was Ash. 
Uh, and but he, he was a secret android, if I remember right. No, Ash was Ash was an open android. Uh, most of the crew hated him because he was an android. But he was a last-minute addition to the crew, replacing their previous science officer or medical officer. Um, but he was he his uh his intelligence was slaved. The the uh, term is to Mother's core and um thereby uh connected to the company. So um, he was basically a physical representation for Mother, you would say? Yes. Yes. Um and he's super creepy. Uh in Aliens, Bishop was uh not known as uh as a um as an android until after they've already uh come out of cryosleep uh at the Hadley's Hope colony. But he wasn't he wasn't as um, connected to the company, even though he was a company android, because his actions helped preserve the li- the lives of Ripley, um, Lieutenant or uh, Corporal Hicks, and the little girl. I can't remember the little girl's name. Newt. Yes, Newt. Um, and he's briefly seen in Alien Three. Um, and uh, oh, what's her face? Um, we won't talk about Alien Resurrection. And then in uh, the prequel films, um, the androids are uh, played by... Uh, um, oh, what is that actor's name? Uh, I'm terrible at this kind of thing, so if oh you are in an MCU movie, I don't know who you are. <laughs> He's in an MCU movie, a couple Shit. of them, actually. Uh, he plays Magneto in the X-Men First Class. Um. I almost said Eric Lasher. Fassbender. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. He plays um, the androids in both uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Um, let's, Prom- let's clear it up. First Class not an MCU movie. No, it's not. So I consider it one because it is part of the mar- overall mar- Marvel franchise of films. While true, I'm just protecting my own incompetence is all. <laughs> And since Disney owns uh, 20th Century Fox now. Yeah, I was thinking they have a total side tangent, which will probably happen a couple more times. That's Uh, fine. The people that got blipped, which is a terrible name for it, I was thinking when they came back, because it was been, there's all kinds of stuff that has changed in the world. Like if you got snapped out while you were in a plane that flying and then snapped back in, like they showed them coming back in in the same places. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, you're just falling to your death now. But what if through usage of the stones and how he wants everybody to come back safely, um, something went wrong there, and those are our mutants. Okay. Like, that's where... It's an interesting perspective. uh, I I like it. It's an interesting perspective, but I like it. It just gives a way um, to explain their goofy power stuff mm -hmm. without having to deal with mutations and mutants yeah and i think they they're restructuring all of the x-men uh storyline now anyway or they have been for like the last year or so um in the comic books anyway well we'll cover that later i don't know much about comic books because i don't don't read very many um so we may not recover it (laughs) uh so fassbender um plays David. David, yes, in Prometheus, and also 
later in Covenant. Um, and the android's name in Covenant that he also plays is named Walter, I think. I don't remember. Um, I want to say it's Walter for some reason. But uh, in Prometheus, that android was uh, David was um, I would say even less following of the laws of robotics than Ash was because he was he answered directly to Peter Wayland, but he also um, directly disobeyed Peter Wayland when his own life uh, was pretty much forfeit. Um, and then in the, uh, and then Walter in, um, uh, Covenant is closer in, um, programming and general disposition to Bishop from Aliens. Because he actively worked against the android David once he found out what was going on to try and preserve the remaining human lives that were still, um, at stake. So that's our, that's our android fresher. Yeah. A well, really bad Android fresher. So well it's important because in the game you can play as androids and they mm-hmm. have completely different um I don't want to say completely different play styles, but they have I guess this is as good as any of a segue into the actual the mechanics of the game. Right. Um They're very simple mechanics too. Very simple um, and very very quick to understand. And I think it's that way because Especially for cinematic play, it wants you to get right into that action quickly. Who wants to spend, you know, 12 hours making a character and then, you know, die two hours into your thing? Now, I was going to make a comparison to Traveler (laughs) because it uses a D6 system uh, just like Traveler does. And the D sixty six um uh charts for um critical injuries that are in Alien. There are D sixty six charts in Traveler I noticed, um the one time I've played with Chuck, uh that are very similar, but they don't they're not quite the same. So I mean if you've only played Traveler, then this would be an easy segue because it it's simply D6s, and it's really simple. Traveler, on the other hand, can get super complex. <laughs> yeah, I was we talking to Chuck about Traveler. <laughs> yeah, like it, bookkeeping and balancing a budget, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't do that it, in real life. Yeah, and the original edition of Traveler, it was very easy to die during character creation because character creation in Traveler is uh, more narrative than it is in a lot of other games. Because yes. you start off as a teenager and you go through choices in your life, and depending on how your roles go, you could die or get screwed over or have the one most wondrous life ever. Recent editions of Traveler are less brutal. Yeah, very, very true. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck was telling us after the one-shot that we did with him this week that uh, in original Traveler, if you failed a any survival role, during character creation, uh, you just died immediately. Um, Not while great. In, yeah. While in the most recent edition, I think it requires a couple of rolls to die. Uh, it's I, a lot harder. So I know that as you go through the different things, there's a chance for you to get an injury. And I imagine on the injury table, it's like you got to really screw it up to, to... To die, yeah. To die. 
which in the D66 table for Alien um, is a couple of it, it it's used for a couple of things. But I think we should talk about um, where I'm going. I'm 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 looking into the future. We should talk about the base stats, which we started with androids and androids compared to humans um, are physically more powerful. So they start off with better base statistics. Um, there's only four ability scores. It's uh, strength, uh, strength, empathy. I should really just have this open in front of me, you know. I have the PDF open, but I had fast-forwarded to the stress and panic chapter because we're going to get into that a bit. I got it. So you have four attributes, strength, agility, wits, and empathy, which all do basically what they sound like. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you open the box, it's right there. And then each uh, ability score has three skills that that base off of it. Which is really nice because it's – you don't have to worry about any specific skill – being more or any specific attribute being more or less important, kind of like how in D and D or uh, Shadowrun, if you're a combat person, agility or dexterity is your yo. You need this. Mm-hmm. Um, the the main mechanic is real simple. It is an attribute plus a skill that makes you a dice pool. Roll that number d sixes. You're looking for a six. Yep, just any six, unless the the particular skill is more daunting. You may need more than one, but you, for most skill checks, you only need one six to succeed. Which is really nice. Uh, extra sixes will get you more, you know, maybe you, sure, you did the thing, but if you got two sixes, you did the thing in less time. Or yep, you or you did it other stuff. Uh, more amazingly, or you maybe made a bonus to somebody else's skill check that's coming up right behind you. So... Um, it it kind of adds narrative effect. It can add mechanical effect, depending on how your GM wants to play it, if they leave it open to you, stuff like that. Um, now, however, if you don't roll any sixes, you immediately fail the check. Which can suck. Yep. Now, uh, human characters are allowed to uh, to push each roll once if they don't make a success. Pushing the roll uh, increases their stress level by one, and you um, you pick up all of the dice that didn't show sixes. Add a either a secondary color d6 to the pool, or there is a quote proprietary die that is just a d6 with a different symbol on it to sh- to show your stress in the roll. That that die. It can count as a success if you roll a six on it. However, if that die shows a one, you panic. Bad things. Bad things happen. And there's, oh god. And, uh, in the world of, in the universe of Alien, panic is kind of, kind of big. Especially when you're the only survivor left and trying to survive against ones in a morph will do it. Question mark? <laughs> Um, the the stress and panic system is something I actually really like about Alien. It's not um, stress is kind of a resource, but you never you don't have a certain amount that you can use or spend. Or when you mm-hmm. get to so many, it, it's a horror game, right? So as you get more and more stressed out, the panic tables and stuff get worse. Yep, and um, 
Yeah, the and the more stress you have, you add that many stress die to your to every skill check. Yeah. From then Which forward. is cool mm-hmm. because if I have let's say I have five dice and whatever it is I'm doing, right? Yep. But an alien is beating down the door, I got my other buddy next to me just going full auto, you know, I'm hearing beeps on the motion tracker or whatever. Yeah, I'm stressed out, but that adrenaline also makes me better. So now with my three levels of stress, I'm rolling eight dice instead of five. Yep. I just got to hope that those three extra dice don't show ones. Yep. And, and it's game over, man. Game over. Especially if you're the guy who's shooting and you have those panic dice. Uh, one of the examples in the cinematic starter kit, if you hit a panic, you just waste all of your ammo. In one single shot. Yep. There's a whole bunch of different things that you can do that will increase your stress. For example, as we were just talking about, firing a weapon in full auto mode where you're just hosing bullets everywhere is going to stress people out. Yep. Because uh, no matter how how much you're in, <laughs> you've been in you know uh, a gun range or whatever, being in actual combat... Way different. Way different. Just ask any soldier. Yeah. Um, there are some ways to reduce your stress if you... Uh, this is actually another mechanic that I really like that they did. Mm-hmm. If they broke up your playtime and what it means. Like, a shift is eight hours. A, I think it's a turn is like 20 minutes. It's like 10 to 20 minutes, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can just find it real quick. Uh, time is immediately after the um, skills, I think. Here it is. So a round is 5 to 10 seconds. Its primary use is combat. Makes sense. A turn is 5 to 10 minutes. Its primary use is stealth. So when you're trying to sneak into some place or you're trying to remain hidden from an alien or, you know, anything really that's that's when you're operating in turns. So you don't like, okay, well, it's a new, it's a new round. So roll stealth again. You know, you have five to 10 minutes to work with and shifts are five to 10 hours. And then after find out about it, I don't feel like looking for it. Um, if you go, <laughs> I think it's a shift without incurring any more stress. You can reduce your stress by one is you just kind of like chillax. And uh, let's see. I'm I'm more or less in the um, stress and panic chapter. Um, relieving stress. Every full turn spent resting, uh, that is as far as you know, secured from enemies, your stress level is reduced by one. But you can't make any skill rolls while you're resting. So um, if if uh, you wanted to spend your turn uh, stealthing. And you want also want to reduce your stress. You can't do that if you want to reduce your stress. Also, um, if you make a panic roll after the panic is over, your stress level goes down one. Yeah, there were some uh, some things on the panic table. So when you roll your dice pool and your stress die come up as ones, then mm-hmm. usually you have to make a panic roll. You take your number of stress that you have. And you roll a d6, and that brings you to a big chart that's got all kinds of things that can go horribly wrong. Something as simple as, like, you get a nervous tick because, you know, stuff is freaking you out. 
you need to just take a small penalty to further dice rolls to something like outright fleeing and worse. Yep. So um, whatever your stress level is, you add it to the single roll of the D6. Anything less than six, you're okay. Anything greater than six, and you're you're going to go through the um, stages of panic, flight, fight, or freeze, <laughs> uh, basically, and then um, uh, all the way to you go into a psychotic rage and try to attack and kill your the nearest fi- being physically to you. This can also turn into a little bit of a downward spiral, as like, let's say you do something. That increase that causes a panic roll. Your mm-hmm. result on the panic roll increases the stress of everybody around. So I may have been cool and had no stress and been feeling great, mm-hmm. but now you've got this nervous twitch because of something you saw while looking at the monitors. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "All right, what's up with him?" Yep. Uh, uh, the a continuing downward spiral is uh, when you just get frozen for one round, and one round is only five to ten seconds, but you lose whatever you're acting on. And then everybody who's near you within one area, which is, I think, uh, it's basically a, uh, like a 20 by 20. Basically uh, whoever's in the immediate room. Mm-hmm. They, they get stressed out. And with the nervous twitch, it's only people, uh, it's only people who are super close to you and also friendly to you. Um, and then all the way up to if you go into a psychotic rage, uh, everybody, everybody who sees you go into the psychoses also has to immediately make a panic roll. And that's, that's just exponentially, <laughs> that's just exponentially bad. Um, if you've got a lot of people who are already stressed out, except for if you get a 15 or higher, you just collapse and then nobody has to do anything else. Yeah. You just <laughs> like basically straight up faint or go catatonic, mm-hmm. which is, great that it doesn't do anything to everybody else but you know if you just faint in front of the alien well you can just hand me your character sheet and that'll be it yeah which uh even though um you might have to turn in one character sheet there's plenty more oh yeah um uh, the gm is asked to stat out all npcs which is another reason it's really great to uh really easy to make characters um because if a PC dies or goes crazy or turns out to be an Android that starts to malfunction, um, you just pick an NPC and start again. <laughs> That's one of the things. If somebody is a uh, if somebody is a secret Android, maybe they're here on uh, company Order, business. Yeah, orders of the Wayland Utani Corporation. Yeah, they very clearly do not have probably the rest of the party's best intentions in mind. There's a bit in here where it discusses about PvP where, like, you resolve it, and then I believe it's the instigating player is NPC'd and is given a new character. Right. So it's Um, not a persistent, ongoing issue to take away from the game, and then that becomes the focus as opposed to the overwhelming horror that is an alien. And this was going to happen more frequently in cinematic play rather than campaign play, because cinematic play is supposed to be quick, dirty, bloody, deadly, just like an alien film. Yeah, think about Alien, where there was eight or nine people on the Nostromo. Let's see here. Captain Ripley, two mechanics, the other woman. Five. 
the android, John Hurt. Seven. I think there's one more, but it is, yeah, that's seven people, and in a table of eight, you've got three extra characters to work with. Oh, we, you technically, you could include uh, Jonesy. The cat. But Jonesy was a cat. <laughs> so out of all of those people, two, one and a half, one and a cat survived. Yeah. So it's, when you're sitting down for cinematic play, you're doing it as something like we did, where it was like, hey, it's Halloween, let's play a spooky game. You know that it's going to have no long-running uh, consequences, mm-hmm. so you just sell into the fact that oh, the company man is going to be a giant asshole to everybody because he's the company man, yep. or the 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 android, if there is one, is probably going to screw you over, or mother is going to screw you over, or one of you is going to go in and you're going to see a box that's got you know, biohazard labels on it, and they're going to open the box, and you're going to get face huggered, and then they're going to die, like, the next shift. It's not going to say biohazard. It'll say foodstuffs. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> do not open, ever. Um, And uh, that's another thing about cinematic play, is that it is uh, expected there will be PvP, player versus player, uh, conflict at some point. That's because they all have agendas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the starter kit, I guess this is as good a chance as any to bring it up. There is all of the the rules for not all of the rules. That's a the basic rules, and there's also an adventure that's very similar to Alien because you're hauling helium three. You're a bunch of space truckers. You're using a um an out of date ship to haul you're, it. You're using an old ass ship. That is not technically a tugboat, so it can be classified differently to haul the helium three inside of it because that's how corporations do instead of dragging it behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the pre-chain characters have these agendas that they are supposed to try and get done within the first act, and I know that the cinemat the um the cinematic thing in the starter kit is broken up into three acts and gives you certain things for the gym. That's like, Hey, around this time is something that should happen to transition right. one act to the next, which is nice for GMs because it helps yeah. you hit certain things. Oh, um, uh, one other thing is the GM is called the game mother. Yeah. Um, and in the rules, the GM is, uh, always referred to as with a female pronoun. So if that kind of stresses you out, it's, it it's it's a narrative it's a narrative choice. Um, I actually kind of like when RPG books are like players he game master she like so that this way in text later on you're not using like they 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 all the time it makes it very easy to to naturally read it separately so that there's less confusion. Part of the reason um, and this is described in the cinematic starter kit at the beginning that. Um, that uh, the acronym mother was chosen um, and that the GM, the game mother, is referred to with female pronouns is that in the core of uh, a story set in the alien universe, it is about family. Uh, If it's a captain who is, you know, the mother or father of their crew, um, the crew is a family, even if they kind of hate each other. No family really gets along 100%. and then even uh, the AI core mother or the company 
is to an extent a member of the family, even if there's some sort of out of reach scion that you can, that you don't truly understand, but they provide for you. Um, man, I had a next thing I wanted to roll into, but I forget what it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, that's fine. Um, it had, there is a resource mechanic because again, this is a horror game. So if you just have access to all of the, the air or the bullets or the food and stuff that you, uh, that you could ever want, well then mm-hmm. it doesn't put any pressure on you. Right. There is a supply system here that I like where it's like, I'm not going to count your bullets, but when you full auto a gun, and I may be wrong on this, but I don't feel like looking it up, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you can just full auto a gun, but then you have to reload, and when you reload something, you have to make a supply roll. I believe I believe that's correct because you can, like one of we talked about earlier, one of the one of the panic one of the panic things is that if you're shooting a gun, you automatically just shoot all of the rounds that are in your gun. Yeah. So. Um, I'm trying to see where it's at. Uh, consumables. While you look for that, I'll keep chatting about it. The, um... I found it. A supply roll is rolling a number of stress dice equal to the the rating of the the supply rating up to a maximum of six dice. And for every one that you roll, your supply is decreased by one... When it reaches zero, you're out of whatever it is, uh, and, quote, you're entering a world of hurt. <laughs> so it's um, supply rating, uh, one to four is one item, five to eight, you have two items, et cetera, et cetera. Which is neat, because then I don't have to count bullets. And that's generally for food and water, which are your base supplies. Food, um, water, and air. Which is really important because if you're doing a spacewalk to fix the antenna so you can broadcast your distress signal Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're out there for a significant period of time, you're making a, let's say you botch a repair roll out there. All of a sudden it's like, all right, well, you failed that roll. You need to make a supply roll to see how much air you have. And when you run out of air, well, tough. You also have to make air supply rolls when you've been in combat. Yeah. It's everything. Every turn, you make an air roll, and after every strenuous activity. So that which is, uh, go on, sorry. Which is only a really big deal if you're in a situation that's say outside of a spaceship, or you decompress a, a section of the ship because you're trying to blow the alien out the airlock or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically, if you're on a planet or you're in a spaceship with working life support, you don't have to worry about your air, but in other situations, this can be very important. Yeah. Uh, same, same thing with food and water. You know, you start losing your stack of supplies that you have, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, I need to go get more food and water or else I'm going to die. So I can't sit here and wait for reinforcements. Like I might have to go do stuff, which is going to get me eaten by an alien. Yep. And water, uh, water just, water is only once, water and food are only once a day. But water, just like air, after you've made a strenuous activity, you need to make a check for it. And then power, which is the fourth supply, depends on whatever on some of the gear that you're using. Um, like, like motion tracker. 
motion tracker, lights, uh, if you're using a power loader. Um, I think some firearms use inter- use power instead of, uh, ammo. instead of ammo. Um, uh, that would make sense because they actually have statted out several tools mm-hmm. that, that, that are, can be used as weapon. <laughs> yeah, like I believe, in at least in the this one, um, stu- like they don't have a flamethrower, but they have a plasma torch or something like that that you could right. use to to fling some fire, but not exactly to the same uh, degree. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm looking at the gear and I don't see oh god. So well we may get into this a little later, but if you've seen Alien, particularly the first film, um it's it's limited by the technology of its time and that it uses mag tapes and you know beta beta uh eight track tape uh cassettes for its memory. In the um, lore included with the uh, cinematic starter kit, that stuff is used because the physical medium, not the actual, the, the physical medium of long data discs and magnetic tape, has become has come back in vogue. Uh, but it it can store a lot more data than the ori- original technology could. So they've updated the lore to say why these particular things were supposed to be being used in the twenty the twenty second century and twenty third century. But like magnetic tape in the lore can hold up to hundred and twenty terabytes. That's a lot. That is that's a lot. That's a lot a lot. And then the long the long data discs, uh like um it's it's just an optical disc medium, kinda like a CD or something uh 10 zettabytes i remember i think they said in the lore that the reason they came back in is because when you're uh when you're in hypersleep for so long leaving your stuff laying out on less physical um less physical data storage devices can have problems with things like radiation and stuff electromagnetic pulses from stars can just totally wipe out anything that's just a chip, like a little silicon chip, which is what most of our media is stored on now. Yep. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that later. Most most of your stuff uh, that requires power is going to be, you know, motion tracker, um, stuff like that. It doesn't have ammo listed uh, as far as what to make a check for, and I think that's a choice because of the tech, because of what is available to the pre-generated characters, and that they don't really have weapons. Yeah, it's more of a tools. Because they're just truckers. Yep. Oh, okay. Mechanical tending, cutting torch, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's got a power supply level of five. Yep. Power loader is not a battle suit, it is a forklift. Yep. It does require heavy machinery and close combat to use also. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the next thing? That I... So we talked about supply rolls. We talked about stress. Um, I want to mention something on the stealth mode. Okay. Um, so this, 
I'm a big person for theater of the mind because I'm lazy and it's just a lot easier because I never know where a map where the situation is going to break out. Mm -hmm. One of the things that this game does a little differently, uh, and thankfully they have it in the, in the cinematic starter kit is it has four plans of ships. And as I am assuming most people have seen the movies by now, you never really know where the xenomorph is. Exactly. So the GM has a, has a, probably a copy of the map. And one of the attributes the aliens have is like a movement. And they can move a number of sections of the ship per, I think it's turn? Yes, it? I think it's, I think it's based off of their mobility rating. Which is a, which is one of the skills. It's one of the twelve skills. So everything has, um, you know, skills and everything. But xenomorphs, as a base rule, move way faster than humans ever could. Yeah. So um, their their mobility is number of areas they can move in a single turn, rather than humans um, get to move two. Yep. Um. So the goal is there that kind of like a board game the GM can move a little marker around on their map or whatever it is that they have over there. And as the players move around and go, Oh, you know, I found a derelict ship in space. Let me go fix it. Or, Oh, mother killed the power. I need to bypass her or an, a meteorite hit the, uh, the broadcast antenna array. I need to go fix it. Um, as the players move around the ship, the alien or the xenomorph can move around the ship, and when those two should coincide, surprise! Yep. And I mean, even, uh, so you think about the xenomorph, fully grown xenomorph from, from Alien, and it just kind of zips in and zi- zips in, kills somebody, and then zips right back out. A couple of seconds. Yeah, it's. As an example, in the GM section, the juvenile neomorph, so the um, the small dog-shaped uh, aliens that are in Covenant, they have a mobility rating of 10. Oof. And your average human is going to have a mobility rating of, like, 4. Well, that's the, the mobility skill, right? Not their movement. Yeah, they, it's, that's the mobility skill that they have, and they have a base speed of 2. So... And I, um, and as far as skills go, let's, yeah. So, um, one of the the pilot has um a mobility of two in uh one of the the NPCs that you that you use. Um, so yeah, enemy movement in stealth mode, it's carried out per turn after PCs have moved. Um. Um, the cinematic guide, unfortunately, does not have the full range of aliens in it. It, you know, it, it has, has it's three. Yeah, it's it's a uh, neomorphs. It's mostly stuff that is in the prequel films. So you've got the moat, the little moat thingies, and the neomorphs that were in Covenant, and you've got the abominations that were in um, uh, the second half of um, uh. Prometheus? Which I've never seen because I'm a bad person. Oh, you're fine. Prometheus is better than Covenant, according to a lot of people. I think they're both great. Um, so it's got 
Uh, it's got the Neomorphs. It's got the Abominations. Okay. Speed is two zones per point of speed each turn. Humans can only move two zones, period. So they have a speed of one. So at, uh, so talking about speed, Xenomorphs can move twice as fast as a normal human, an uninjured human, <laughs> no less. Um, yeah, so Neomorph goes all the way from the little egg sacs five stages up to an adult Neomorph. Uh, abominations go four stages from infected to beluga head. Um, and those are the only, those are the only alien creatures that are in the alien cinematic starter. Yeah. Everything else is your fellow players or an NPC that has turned, that has unfortunately turned over control to the GM as a result of something happening. Whoops. <laughs> Um, you said you wanted to talk about stealth mode, and yeah. I, I interrupted a bit. No, that that's basically the the it of stealth mode. I think is just the way that it has this mechanic to support it. It helps to make it feel less like surprise quantum alien and more like my guy is doing a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're just in the engine room hibernating. Maybe they're um. Let's try to remember back into the the movies as to where they like to hide and stuff. Air ducts. Air ducts. All of, which of course are big enough for people to crawl through. Yep. Every ship um, has at least uh, one set of air ducts. Which I guess makes sense because if you think about the Enterprise, it was full of Jeffrey's tubes that people could crawl all over. Yep, and those were basically air ducts and maintenance uh, maintenance access. Yep. Um, trying to think. Combat was really quick and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get in combat with an alien, you're probably gonna die. You're you're in bad times. <laughs> um, you know, just as a base stat, alien, uh, the, the the xenomorphs have base armor three against anything that's not fire. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Which, if I click up here real quick to gear and then, you know, weapons and armor, uh, the pulse rifle has a damage of two. With some, you know, it has uh, armor piercing and some other stuff, which mm-hmm. comes into play there. Um, so, just to give a little bit of an idea as to how uh, how dangerous a an alien actually is to to everybody else, I'm trying to find out the details on armor piercing real quick. Oh, so armor piercing um, makes your armor count as half rounding up so that armor three becomes basically armor two yep. which means unless you get extra sixes your pulse rifle doesn't really do anything just kind of hits it which if we remember back to the movies was very accurate yep i mean and if you look at the armor of for humans most of it is uh stuff that you need for um being outside of a ship except for the m3 personnel armor which is soldier's armor yeah and your civil if you're a playing a civilian character like a trucker or a colonist or you're not gonna um, have a, that. a corporate monkey, yeah, you're not gonna have the, the M three personnel armor. Um Power Loader gives you armor three though. It does. Giant open cage. <laughs> it also costs fifty thousand dollars for one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um 
and there will be more 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 types of gear in the official release and they're going to be releasing more stuff in the future um i believe uh chariot of the gods which is the module in the cinematic starter kit is just one of three modules that were commissioned by the same game des- uh commissioned by free free league uh from the same uh game designer and i think the second part is either the second part or a physical copy of Chariot of the Gods is supposed to be coming with the uh, the physical release of the core rulebook. And that's cool. Yep. Um, uh, you want to talk about Chariot of the Gods for a little while? Sure. I mean, I haven't played it. Uh, you you had that luxury before me. Um, Chariot of the Gods kind of is is very very similar setup to um, the events in Alien. Uh, you guys, are, your characters um, are just truckers taking, like, uh, like B, um, GM said, uh, taking um, helium three fuel, H three fuel, uh, from one place in the galaxy to another place in the galaxy. Which, uh, by the way, are super explosive, dangerous chemicals that would totally not explode and destroy your ship. No, not at all. And um there while they are in cryosleep, their ship is redirected to um redirected by the company to uh investigate a derelict ship from that uh is send- a distress call. Yep, it's sending out a distress signal. They're redirected on threat of forfeiture of all of the money that they were going to make on the haul. Yeah, it's like you will lose all shares of payment, and then you're basically running a giant shipment of gas for free. And mm-hmm. Let me tell you, ain't nobody want to do that. Nope. Um, and it's that- for it's for three to five players plus a GM. Um, it's got five pre-generated base characters from the very beginning. Um, and, uh, if something happens to your character, like we described earlier, there are other, um, NPCs that you can take control of. So you're just not sitting there on your hands for four to five hours, which is how long it says is going to take to play the, this module. It took us uh, closer to seven. Yeah, it says at least four to five hours to complete. So if you're running a full table of five players and a GM, I can understand it being more than five hours. Um, the, um, we mentioned earlier acts and agendas, and these actually are one of the big things that helps to push the module forward because it's like, okay, act one is a lot of like you wake up from hypersleep and you're like, all right, what the, the fuck's going on? What's going on? You find out about the new orders. Because let's let's be honest, there are orders because yep. nobody wants to do a run for free because you're all space truckers and you're all broke. Um, so you, um, you set up and you start investigating the ship. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too many things away because this comes out before the the actual release. Okay. Yeah, and um, bad things happen. Bad. A lot of bad big, things. Big surprise: the space Hulk you find floating in. Sp- in the middle of nowhere, bad things. Yep. Um, and for all the NPCs, um, the agendas, uh, like we said, are included in the Chariots of the Gods. So 
uh, the um, captain, Miller. Their agenda in Act 1, follow company protocol, get the job done, and cash in. Don't do anything to risk your paycheck. Maybe the next run pays better. And these agendas work out because if you complete an act and you were playing towards them, trying to accomplish your agenda, you get a story point, which you can use later on at any point to get a success on a, on a roll. Mm-hmm. So, so rather than rolling and getting all stressed out and getting panicked and all those kind of bad things, you could have that one, I'm going to use my story point, I pull out a grenade, I hug my partner in the in the air ducts, and we blow up a bunch of aliens. Um, um, and then... Chapter, I, or Act 2 begins where things go wrong, or and, worse. And they, they, yes, or worse. They, they don't get better. No, because no, this, it, is an, this is an alien situation. Yeah, never, no, no, no gets story better. gets better. It just gets worse. You know, you had, as we discussed in the first movie, you had six of your seven people die. Yep. In in Alien Two, there was three and literally a half survivors, right? Uh, yeah. Hicks and half and a bishop, upper half. Um, which he's considered a survivor because he does have a biological component. He he fu- he continues to function, so he survives. Um, he continues to function until at least the uh, halfway point in Alien Three, and in Alien Three, there is only one survivor. And that is one of the prisoners um, on the prison planet. So the the neat thing that and the smart thing that they did here is minor spoilers. The crew of the second ship, that derelict spaceship you find, is alive. They're in, yeah, they're in cryosleep. So if so, your characters die, you have another pool of NPCs to to give to your players. And they have character sheets that you you know you could just. Here's the next one off the top. Here you go. Um, which is nice because mm-hmm. this way you can have that first act when you, you know, first run into an alien or something like that, and that character gets horribly murdered. Yep. And now, unlike the original crew, so the original crew has three agendas, one for each act. Um, the NPCs only have one personal agenda, and that's it. Which is fine because they're, you know, backups and they come in have to because you could theoretically find them and then not choose to wake them up because it's like I you don't know what's going on on this ship. Um so things can can happen along those ways. And then uh and then you just kinda come to the end, more or less. Um, yeah, kinda. Act, it's, um, act three it, gets worse. Yep. Act three then, definitely gets worse. Because uh in in at least aliens, you get a little bit of hope and things get bad, and then you get a little bit more hope and things get worse, and then you're you think you're escaping, and then the beginning of the next movie redacts all that hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, let's see here. You know, and, you have that situation at the end of Alien where you go into hyper, you set the course on the computer, you go into hypersleep, and you're expecting to wake up someplace safe and instead it's 50 years later (laughs) instead you time travel and then you are found by people who are like yo we're going back to that place you barely escaped from because they put a colony there yeah whoops whoops. and then uh, in aliens um, 
you kill the queen, you get, you know, everybody settles down for a nice hypersleep and you you're you're scheduled to go back to earth and it turns out there's a face hugger. A couple of face huggers that just destroy everything and As impregnate you with an alien. Whoops. And we won't talk about Alien Resurrection. I've never heard of it. Yep. Ron Perlman was in it though. Oh my god, I he totally no, nope, that didn't happen. I love Ron Perlman, by the way. I know, he's great. He's one of my favorite actors, but he's not in a lot of big stuff. No, sadly. He's in he was in the first two Hellboy movies. I'm sad they didn't bring him back for the third one. Third one's more like a prequel though, and a reboot. Yeah, I also heard it wasn't great. Just sad. I haven't seen it, but my dad watched it. Um, He's in a lot of low-budget sci-fi channel movies. I think he was in Season of the Witch with with, uh, Nicolas Cage. He was the War Never Changes guy. Yep, War Never Changes, Fallout. Um, He was also the voice of Lord Hood in the Halo franchise, Halo 2 and 3. Huh. Um. So he's been in some big stuff, but they're not been big parts. Let's get him more work. He's getting old. Yeah. I think he's in uh, his 60s. Something like that. Um, he's a great actor, though. Great actor. I don't know anything about his personal agenda. But. So we're going to leave it at that. If he does have a personal agenda that does not reflect the views um, <laughs> of Without a Net podcast. <laughs> nice and legally binding there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um man, is there anything else you want to talk about on the game itself or um maybe so, a little bit on release dates and publication? Yeah, you know uh, more of that than I do. Well, uh, so like I said um up near the top, I found out about this game randomly um back in April. They opened pre-orders for the game in May and closed them, I think, before Gen Con. Uh, pre-orders were for the base core rulebook, uh, the core rulebook 40th Anniversary Edition, which has alternate cover art. Um, they had pre-orders for uh, a full GM's kit, which for Free League, if you've play, if you've you know bought. Um, Tales from the Loop or Things from the Flood or their Star Trek role-playing game. Um, a GM's kit is the core rule book, some dice, a GM's screen, um, a map of something that is part of the, the core game. Um, and I think um, cards for, for tracking initiative and gear. Um, they also had pre-orders for the dice by themselves, the screen by itself, and for the uh, the cards by themselves. Um, the original release date was set for this month, October. Um, and I had to dig a little bit because, you know, September came, I'd heard nothing because, you know, like somebody who doesn't like getting a lot of emails, I didn't sign up for their newsletter newsletter when I pre-ordered. Um, I had to go to the Free League Facebook page. There was a comment asking the question of when the release date was supposed to be on their Facebook page, and somebody from Free League responded that, unfortunately, 
publication printing got and release got pushed to December of this year. So no alien games except for Chariot of the Gods for Halloween. Sad day for all of us. Um but uh Free League actually got permission from 20th Century Fox to make this game. This is the first official tabletop role-playing game in the Alien franchise since, I think, 1991. Um, and that one's not, wasn't, as far as I know, and I wasn't in playing games back then, uh, wasn't super popular. Uh, and there's some, you know, for other games, other generic role-playing game systems have skins to play, like Colonial Marines and stuff like that. Uh... But this is the this is the official 20th Century Fox stamp of approval um, tabletop role playing game. Uh, I have a question in my mind as to whether or not it also now falls underneath uh, Walt Disney Corporation because of that mess. Um, and uh, I I'm just really excited for the release coming out. Um, Customers who pre-ordered uh, were sent the the full uh, cinematic starter kit, which is a beefy document. It is a big beef of a document. It you is. Think that, you think hard. that most – it's 168 pages. That includes the Chariot of the Gods module, which I believe the Chariot of the Gods is on, starts on page oh, – well, I closed the document. Smart move, a profit. Uh, Chariot of the Gods starts on page... 100. 100. 100. So, and now, there are full page spreads of art, but I'm, I do not complain, because the art in this book is gorgeous. Do you, would you agree, um... The only complaint I have about the art is it's going to be impossible to print any of these out because, because there's so much so black. much black. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Um, even if you go grayscale, it's just going to be more black. Uh, it's a lot of black. It's a lot of dark, dark, dark green. Um, and uh, so pre-order customers received this as soon as their pre-order went through. Um, I pre-ordered. At the beginning of June. So I've had this document since June. Um, Pre-order customers also got sent a sample chapter, uh, the character chapter in the book for the core uh, rule book um, for proofing. Like they were allowed to proofread and send any um, suggestions that they had seen errors in grammar or spelling. I noticed a few, but I never gave feedback because I'm a dingus. Um, and then now all we have to do really is wait. So, and I think, I think the core rule book does come with either, um, a printed version of Chariot of the Gods or included in the text is the next, uh, the next set, the next, uh, part of the Chariot of the Gods trilogy of modules, if you want to call them. Um, and the core rule book, I believe, is supposed to be pretty big too. Like, it was also bigger than they originally projected. Well, you know, it's a lot of full-page art in there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of full-page art. Um, 
Like if you look at some rule books, <coughs> oh, <coughs> they updated the the website December tenth. Nice is our f- official release day. Um, the book it used to the the website used to say how how many pages were in the book, and I think it's somewhere around. Um, it's it, it was listed originally at 392 pages, so it's only 200 pages short of, you know, say the Pathfinder Core rulebook, which is a gigantic rulebook. Well, um, one of the things that wasn't in the cinematic kit, and it makes sense, is stuff more oriented towards campaign play. The, campaign can, play and actual character creation, but you can break down how to make a character from the starter kit. You can reverse engineer it, but mm-hmm. at you know, it's the cinematic kit is meant for those one shot situations where it's like, you know, we're gonna get some people together, we're gonna play this game for a while, and uh we're all gonna have a great time watching somebody do stupid things and get horribly murdered because it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what the actual full release has in it. Um Oh yeah. Um because I'm real curious <clears throat> about the sustainability of a campaign. Of campaign play, yeah. Because yeah, it is supposed to be a lot slower. It's generally a lot slower than a cinematic. Um, and it's supposed to be not as deadly. It discourages PvP. Um, just from the snippets that are in the uh, cinematic starter kit. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. Um, I, I can imagine... Doing like a colony, and oh, there's all kinds. Maybe of some ideas. kids, maybe some kids disappear one day, but then it's I, like three weeks later. <laughs> I could see something. There's all kinds of stuff that you do because you don't have to get involved with aliens, right? There's, right. You can just more... do corporate corporate BS. Yeah, you could have corporate <laughs> BS that sooner or later you come across. Maybe you know they have a. Uh, a science room full of face huggers or something like that. Right. You could play a you could play a team of shadow runners. You could play a team <laughs> of colonists just kind of trying to explore because you have that um there is that supply mechanic in there so you could be could actually be some city building and you know terraforming and stuff going on. Um here's the could, thing about um that I just thought of uh, the, between uh, campaign style and cinematic. So in cinematic, with a corporate player, you're expected to just betray everybody because you're following company orders, right? Right. If not but, betray, at least be a giant jerk. Yeah, but in campaign play, you're in a, a you're in an adventuring party. You're going to develop interpersonal relationships with the people. With whom you're in contact, but eventually that corporate order nine six six is going to trickle down, secure alien symbiote, all other priorities rescinded. Yep. Do you stay the corporate shill, or do you break corporate policy to preserve the lives of your friends? Or do you break it and then and then betray everybody, out. anybody, <laughs> everybody anyway? You know, you get a better offer from some other corporation. Right. Uh Wayland Yutani is not the only major corporation in the in the alien franchise. It's just that 
it's the one that's talked about the most. Yeah, it's just one of the bigger ones, if not the mm-hmm. biggest. Um, um so uh we didn't talk about this, I don't think. Um not uh in recording anyway, and I don't know if you want to want me to talk about it just a little bit, but uh the official canon for the alien role playing game are Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, and the video game Alien Isolation. Got rid of a lot of extra stuff. Got rid of a got rid of a lot of extra stuff. Uh resurrection doesn't exist. Alien versus uh the Alien versus Predator stuff they got rid of. Um because oh uh two other films that are a part of the official canon are Prometheus and Covenant. And the reason they got rid of the Alien versus Predator stuff is because Prometheus set a specific year in which the original xenomorphs were created. So having them on Earth in a underground ice pyramid. Yeah. Like thousands of years in the past before human civilization was yeah. the primary I, race on uh the primary species on the planet. I wouldn't mind seeing down the line them doing an expansion book where you can play as predators. Right. Which I think in the franchise they're called something else. We just call them predators because that's the name of that section of the franchise. Yeah, that's um the name of the movie. And according to Ridley Scott, I believe, um the Blade Runner films are part of the Alien franchise canon, but I don't think they're part of the canon for the uh for the effect of the Alien role playing game. There's tons of options out there yep. down the line. Um I think the reason Blade Runner is considered part of the franchise is because of the the human and android uh relations um which are they called androids in blade runner i've only seen blade runner 2049 synthetics is, synthetics that would make sense but um the wayland corporation is supposed to be the corporation that created the first um uh synthetic humanoids um but i'm not sure exactly when that was supposed to take place so uh, and the timeline from the birth of Peter Wayland all the way through the events of the film Alien 3 are kind of are in the cinematic starter kit um, right near the beginning. So um, it's uh, exciting. I'm very excited. I don't know much much more I can say about it, but I'm excited. I uh. When when I pre-ordered it and got the you know the Cinemax starter kit, I shared it you know with um, a couple of people in the Without a Net Discord, um, and two people got excited for it almost immediately, and that was Oz and Sue. Um, you got excited for it. Chuck got excited for it. I didn't expect that honestly, um, but I mean I didn't really know anybody except for the one one shot at that point I'd done with Mary Sue. Um, and this is the first time that you and I have, uh, have spoken outside yep. of text. So, uh, text and discord. So it's yeah. been, uh, this has been fun. Yeah. It's been a good time. Oh yeah. I look forward to, uh, when this releases basically tomorrow being, uh, seeing what people have to say for the actual, Spooky, scary, alien Halloween stuff. Yeah, Halloween. 
Happy Halloween, folks. Uh, listen to your favorite uh, cast members die. Um, Maybe. <laughs> I could totally survive or not be somebody's favorite. Either way. That's true. Um, and uh, I, I, I know a few weeks ago I put up uh, official, more or less, that I wanted to eventually run Cherry of the Gods myself. So if you're listening and you kind of want, if you listen to this and then the Halloween episode tomorrow, um, and you want, you know, to experience it for yourself, just, you know, drop, drop a line to any of us, really. Um, I know GM is, uh, Bamps is tired from running Shadowrun. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Mary Sue always likes running the, uh, the horror stuff and, uh, particularly Call of Cthulhu. And, you know, there's one shots all the time that, People or and campaigns that are being organized um, in the without a net community. Uh, I joined uh, Zarkara's Starfinder game, and that's been fun so far. Um, yeah, come hang out on the Discord. There's a link in the description for this. It'll be uh, it'll be cool. And if you don't know what Discord is, don't worry. It is free to sign up for. You really won't get any emails. Except for the verif- verifying that you, this is your email. Um, it's uh, it, it there's you know free to sign up for, free to use. It's got text and voice chat functions. Um, you can even uh, stream through Discord uh, as long as you're connected to a voice channel on a, on somebody's Discord server. And um, you know we we have a good time. On the Without a Net Discord. And there's a lot of pictures of my cat on there. <laughs> You're not the only person with the cats on there. I know. I just I share more pictures of my cat than I should, honestly. Um, but uh, it, um, there's also a free app uh, you can download for of Discord. And I'm shilling for Discord. And they're right. not paying us. Nope. But, you know, I being a member of a community is a good thing. Sometimes. Yeah, in this case, it's a good thing because there are literally no assholes on the without a net Discord, uh, well, and that's me. well. <laughs> I mean, you could say except anybody, honestly. But um, we're we're a pretty positive community. We're not outspoken about many things. There is never political discussion, which is amazing. Yeah. Um. I am going to start to push to wrap it up because that's fine. We've been going for a little while and I got stuff to do. We've been going for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And you, we don't want to make this too hard for people to listen to. Because yeah, they're not going to listen. Thank you. Yeah, well. All the way to the end. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, with all of that said, uh, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about it. I know you're super excited about the the game and it was like, you know what, let's grab him. Oh, well, no, thank you for uh, asking me to speak. I had a great time speaking about it. And uh, when I get talking about something I like, I talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. All right, my kitties are looking at me as though they want food or the laser pointer, one or the other. Yeah, cats. Yeah, they're the worst. Little fuzzy asshole. All right, man, I will see you, and I'll see anybody else that comes and hangs out in the Discord. Yep, see you all later.